How's it going, everybody? Thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of my radio show, Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. If this is the first episode of Famous Dead People that you've ever heard, welcome! I hope you find it hilarious and informative. We originally air as a radio show on Radio Free Brooklyn, which will explain some of the things that you will hear on this episode. You're about to hear my interview with Charles Lindbergh, played by comedian Kevin Craig, and Jane Austen, played by comedian Andy Moskowitz. If you like the show and you want to shoot us an email or you want to hear an interview with your favorite famous dead person, and hit us up at famousdeadpeopleshow at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys, and we'll try to have your favorite person on as soon as humanly possible. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and rate us five stars on iTunes and all that really fun stuff. But for now, enjoy Jane Austen and Charles Lindbergh only on Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. It's time. Famous Dead People. Time to start the show. Famous Dead People. People you know. Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. Famous Dead People. My guests today on Famous Dead People are American aviator Charles Lindbergh and 18th century British novelist Jane Austen. Mr. Lindbergh, Ms. Austen, thank you so much for joining us today here on Famous Dead People. Delighted to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Uh, So I'm glad to have you both on the show because there is a little bit of mystery in both of your lives uh, that I hope we can get to the bottom of uh, on the show here today. But let me start with you, Mr. Limber, because you are obviously most famous for, you know, having been the first person to fly solo across the Atlantic Ocean, you know, famously, and you're playing the spirit of St. Louis. But, well, well, wait, oh, yeah. let me let me correct you. Oh, there's Because I don't want any secrets. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, is I... It was the furthest flight there was a transatlantic from newfoundland to ireland okay before me are we counting that as a uh well people do transatlantic flight i don't it was not (laughs) the distance i went Mm. yeah i mean but that's what i think when i think of you know a a transatlantic flight is as as far as you can get from the two different continents, you know. Right. And Newfoundland is where? That's like close to, what is that, Iceland, Greenland, that something like that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that yours is, is uh, you know, appropriately called the furthest distance, you know. Thank uh, you. And, you know, the first, the first solo flight across the Atlantic. Thank um, you. But, uh, but before this... You really hadn't done anything notable in aviation before. You know, like right before this, you were you were flying for the post office. What made you think that you could do such a huge endeavor? Um, I'm an American. <laughs> I'm white. Um, and why not me is mm-hmm. what what I said. And one of one of the um, the things I live my life by are um the male has to get everywhere the male was that a was that a a, a philosophy that you had before you worked for the post office because there was yeah. a long period of time before you worked for the post office right you know but you're saying that that was but i was always thinking post office <laughs> even before you worked there this was a pre this was a, a part of your personal morality yeah okay. because it was how this letter um, can be delivered across the street, but it might be needed to be delivered elsewhere, hmm. globally. Okay. Yeah. How did this? How did this manifest earlier in your life before you actually worked for the post office? What were like the the metaphorical letters that you had to deliver uh, that you know that were going to get to where they needed to go? What a great question. <laughs> um, metaphorical letters. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know if I ever thought, I mean, in retrospect, probably, um, I would have loved to have delivered a letter to um, Tolstoy. Ooh, okay, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Now, Ms. Austin, uh, we were talking just now with uh, Mr. Lindbergh about, like, just sort of like, you know, personal uh, uh, moral foundations, moral structure. Did you have anything like that that rang true for you? Like any any uh, any life philosophies that kind of guided your hand as you were growing up? Well, you know, when I was a young woman, um, matters of the heart, matters of passion, were of course meant to be 
restrained, contained within within oneself. Yes, yes. It was a very uh, button-up society, of button-up way of living. And that never sat particularly well with me. Mm-hmm. I, of course, abided by the conventions because one had to or one would be shunned by society. Yes. But um, I knew in my heart that it was wrong. So mm-hmm. I took it upon myself to misbehave in <laughs> certain, <laughs> certain ways. Mm, that could be in all sorts of different things, right, Mr. Lindbergh? Yeah. Okay. I, I like the sound of that. <laughs> well, hold on to your hat, Mr. Lindbergh. <laughs> so, well, this is what, something I wanted to ask you about. Like, you both did these things that are incredible, but for completely different reasons. Like, it must have been so difficult for a woman to become a published author, let alone a successful published author, back when you were alive. And obviously there's the, the, the physical feat of flying across the Atlantic. You know, I don't want to compare the two and say, like, which one was more difficult. But there were both these, you know, huge undertakings that you had, you know, that you were able to, uh, to accomplish. I'd like to interject and say mm-hmm. I also wrote... Oh yes, no. We I'm I'm familiar with uh with your work. You know, we'll get to that uh, a little like, later. I'd like in the to interject and say I also flew a plane. I, I don't think that's true. I, I don't think that's historically I, accurate. I, it's true. I I flew a plane. Mm-hmm. We had three inches of airlift. It was a pedaling de- a pedaling device mm-hmm. that was attached to wings, and we we got off the ground. Three inches. So you were, Jane Austen, part of an an early experiment in aviation where you pedaled a bike with wings? Yeah, and... it, it was a, I, it was a, it contingent upon getting my first novel published. <laughs> the, the publisher said, I don't want to work with a woman, but if you can get off this device off the ground, then mm-hmm. yes, we will. That it's is a, a, it's an amazing feeling, isn't it? it? <laughs> Incredible. That's interesting. I mean, it goes against a little bit of the historical record, but um, uh, one of the things I learned about you, Ms. Austin, in doing research for this interview was that there is a a big portion of your life that we don't know a lot about because of uh, reasons that we'll get into later. Um, But I wanted to ask uh, Mr. Lindbergh about your career as a pilot before you sort of became famous for for this grand undertaking. Uh, You know, like you, you started flying and then you... Uh, started barnstorming, and I know that barnstorming isn't like really a thing that we uh, that we enjoy today. Would you mind just describing what barnstorming is for the listeners at home? Um, well, in in a couple words, it's acrobatic flying. Okay. So wind, uh, wing walking, mm-hmm. um, um, handstands upon the wing. Mm-hmm. So like wing you, related. So stuff, so mostly. while you were. Flying the plane, you would, like, get out of the plane and, like, do a handstand on the wing? Um, no. There would be a pilot, mm-hmm. um, or I would pilot, or we'd, we'd duo pilot, and then mm-hmm. one of us would do... Um, would do, like, a little trick. Yeah, a trick. Well, I assumed yeah. that it was... I assumed that the, the plane would be doing the acrobatics, not that you would be doing acrobatics on the plane while it was flying. I mean, maybe, maybe it was both. I don't know. Oh. It, in my case, it was. It was just me. <laughs> Doing acrobatics on a plane. Did you ever do like a loop-de-loop or a barrel roll or anything like that? That, that As seems myself? Like... No, no. I mean, like, did the plane ever do that? Did you ever? Oh, yes. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, but I don't consider that out of the ordinary. No, no. That's no, just, no. Uh, what is that, just regular regular flying? Yeah. Yeah, oh, okay. So that, that's not even for entertainment purposes. That's just something you have to do in order to successfully fly a plane. I'd like to think so, yeah. yes. Um, so uh, going over to you, Ms. Austin, um, you know, so much of your work was focused on the limitations that British society put on women and the lack of freedom in their lives. Um, and I think it's fitting that that is the case. I mean, your your life kind of reflected that as well. Like, you were this successful published author, but only under the, the, uh, uh, the I guess, I guess the, the condition that you would remain anonymous and that people didn't know that they were, you know, reading a, a, a woman author. That's right, you know? yes. My pen name was Austin Jane. Austin Jane. So they thought I was a man named Austin whose was, surname was Jane. Was Jane a, uh, I don't know, uh, does, that, does that sound like a, like, a, like, a, like a last name, a Jane? Can we think of any Janes? A, a Mr. Jane? Thomas Jane. Thomas, is that a real person? Actor? Thomas yeah, Jane. he was in The Punisher. 
Oh right, it's a, it's a great film. Was he yeah. the guy? I don't I don't want to get off a tangent, but he was the guy that's like obsessed with the Punisher and like you know financed his own like mini mini Punisher short film. Does that sound familiar? You know, I'm not I'm not that up on twenty twenty first century <laughs> cinema, Jared. But well, uh, just, I'm, I'm not sure either. I just wanted to throw that out there and see if uh, I do confuse him with Aaron Eckert. Mm-hmm. Oh, that uh, in that case, that is exactly who I'm talking about. That okay. that, that 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 really rings true. Uh, but my, my my question is so so you had this success as an anonymous author a uh, an Austin Jane um, and uh, it, was there were there any freedoms or liberties that you were able to take once you had you know that notoriety even though nobody knew it was you like were there things that you could do that you well, couldn't do before yes I could um, I would head into bookshops mm-hmm. and I would sort of hide myself behind one of the counters and listen to people talking about my novels oh would you yeah and then i'd hear the things that they would say they would mm-hmm. say oh you know this this captures my spirit this whoever this man is he's mm-hmm. speaking for me and that made me feel so gratified did and, and it didn't bother you that they thought it was somebody else that they didn't know that it was you well of course it did but such was my pain <laughs> to sit there to get gratification for mm-hmm. my work, but have nobody know that I was the one. I was the one, me. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's a saying in England, sometimes it's shitty. <laughs> and um, God, our countries are so alike. Mm-hmm. Yes, there's so much, so, so much more alike than different. Well, how would that make you feel, Mr. Lindbergh, if, you know, uh, you had done this, this you know, this, this tremendous first legitimate solo flight across the Atlantic Ocean, the uh, real distance, not this fake Newfoundland distance, and mm-hmm. then somebody was like, you know, oh, did you hear that uh, there was this woman that did this, or there was, you know, some other, uh, a Lindbergh Charles who did this, you know, that, that, would have, that wouldn't have sat right with you, right? Well, I, that's hard to even imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, that wouldn't have happened. Um, so I... I, I don't like to go down avenues um, <laughs> in which I don't believe mm-hmm. the thing could happen. You, you know, know? Yeah. one thing I've, I've learned in all my years is that men are far more sensitive than women. You think so, Ms. Oh, Austin? Oh, absolutely, <laughs> yes. And, and um, men have trouble even imagining a situation in which they might feel lesser. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it's, well. it, they have a fearful, stressful reaction to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, do you think that, Mr. Lindbergh, you could access some creative part of your brain where you're like, oh, I can imagine how that would feel, even though this isn't you know, something that uh, is, is in the, in the you know, scope of reality? No, I can't. I mean, um, that would be like asking, can you imagine what it's like to be a mouse? Mm-hmm. Or Oh, yeah, I can. I mean, there's, you know, you there's, there's that movie, you know, what is it, Stuart Little, where there's like a little, a little mm-hmm. mouse boy. Like, you know, not quite up on 21st century <laughs> cinema, but, but yes, of course. And is that, you mean. Is mm-hmm. that the one that rides the motorcycle? I think so. I never saw it, but I know that it's a movie mm-hmm. about like a, a young boy mouse person. Oh, no, I confuse you know. it with Runaway Ralph. Mm. Runaway Ralph. Uh, I'm, I, I feel like I'm talking to the wrong people if I really want to, you know, IMDB these uh, these queries that we got here. No, but I, yeah, could, no. I could put myself easily in the mindset of a mouse. Yeah, yeah, I think we could. Scurry, scurrying about for scraps of food. Do you think that maybe this is a, a, a personal limitation, maybe, Mr. Lindbergh, that you just can't, you know, imagine things? Um, you, know, you, were, you were a published author. Surely, you know, you have a creative side. Um, those books were factual mm-hmm. autobiographies okay. of myself, <laughs> each and every one. All 15? Yes. Okay, so in every, every single thing that happened in those books happened in real life. Yes. Mm, okay. Uh, well, uh, then I stand corrected. Um, now, going back to you, Ms. Austin, uh, this is, uh, I know we talked a little bit about the, the, the world in which you grew up, the limitations of the patriarchy. Yes. Um, I, I, I read this quote from your father that I thought was actually kind of, I don't know, hilariously um, uh, reflective of that, is that he... Uh, predicted the day that you were born, sort of like lo- setting a low expectations here, he predicted that you would be, quote, a future companion to your sister, which I thought was a, a, a hilariously low bar to set. Like, that's just 
you know, don't, don't you think like very uh, uh, yes, that's, that's emblematic basic. of the, the society that you grew up in? Like that's how we, you know. Of course, it's, it's essentially saying my second daughter will be my second daughter. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the bar he set for me. Mm-hmm. Of course. You know, at the time, the, the birth of, of a boy was a, uh, a celebration. Mm-hmm. You uh, called all the family, the pastor, the, even the orphan children mm-hmm. in, in the streets to come and celebrate with you, have cake, mm-hmm. right? The, the, the birth of a girl was tantamount to, to awake. Really? Yes. So the entire town would celebrate when a boy was born, but when a girl was born, mm-hmm. people, would, people would be sad? They put my infant body in a coffin <laughs> and had the townspeople come through and view me. No, that can't possibly be true. It, it, it happened, yes. This wasn't uh, a practice that was still uh, around in your day, Mr. Lindbergh, oh, no, right? no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. But we... We did celebrate boys more. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, but but there weren't you know like fake funerals for women when they were born, right? No, no, no. not at all. All right. Well, that's uh, at least there was some small amount of progress by yeah. that by that time in history. Yeah. Uh, if you're just joining us, this is Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today are 18th century British novelist Jane Austen and American aviator Charles Lindbergh. Uh, now we we touched on. Uh, on uh, Ms. Austin's fame there for a moment, uh, but you know there there really wasn't a word for how famous you became, Mr. Lindbergh. You know, like you achieved a level of global fame uh, by flying over the Atlantic that was unheard of at the time. Right. Um, you know, uh, that must have been like a crazy uh, a shock to the system. You were flying for the post office, you know, like months beforehand. You know, and now and now you're this international celebrity. Like that must have really changed you. It, um, it didn't. It didn't uh, n- at all. No, I think I always saw that in myself. Uh, oh. Global fame. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, so, so it was. It was an easy step into it. So when you were barnstorming, you were like, "This is level one of 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 what will eventually become my global stardom." Yes. Interesting. Did, yeah. did that ever? Um. Was there ever any cognitive dissonance? Was there ever like an experience that you had that that was that made you realize, like, "Oh, I'm not this global celebrity yet." I'm not this global celebrity yet. Yeah, like you when you were, when was... you know, barnstorming or flying I, to the post office. I was always celebrated. Um, were, were you always in, celebrated? In, in, in the company I kept, yes. <laughs> so it, it's, it's a mere step, uh, a sideways step to mm-hmm. international fame. Once you have the fame of a, of a small town, um, <laughs> I, I just don't understand your question, I guess. Well, well here's what, so here, I, I know, pers- I know from, uh, from reading your Wikipedia that, you know, like there were times when you had you know like engine failure while you were flying to the post office and that you had to to bail out of the plane and then like you know go recover the mail and you know make sure that everything was taken care of and then fix the plane like those aren't things that you have to do when you are a celebrity you don't have to slog like that you don't have to risk your life like that well celebrity is just a a a label Mm -hmm. i'm still me i'm still gonna get the mail Mm -hmm. to its recipient right right right. there is that 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 cornerstone of your uh of your moral fiber there i'd forgotten about that yeah celebrity Uh, is just a a term mm -hmm. you know did you feel that you were destined for greatness as well ms austin well you know i always knew i had a fire inside of me that Mm -hmm. that nobody knew about you know my father predicting me to accompany my sister to old age i mean <laughs> no nobody knew that there was something inside me now over the first years of my life as i grew up of course i assumed well whatever this fire was i'd have to live with it and it would mm-hmm. never find its expression mm-hmm. but then something happened i was given a book Ooh, do you remember which book it was? It was called Body Tales. Body Tales. Mm-hmm. Sort oh. of like a pulp, pulp fiction, mm-hmm. penny, penny novel. You. What, what what we would think of as like a pulp fiction today? Yes. You know? Yes. Oh, okay. And um, as I read these tales, I realized that what I was experiencing, what I was thinking, were not my own depraved thoughts, but were shared by. A common humanity. When you say depraved thoughts, were you saying that this fire inside of you was 
um, I don't want to sound too body, but of a uh, of a sexual nature. Is that what you're what you're uh, getting at? It was of a liberated sexual nature. Yes. Oh, okay. So so it wasn't a fire to to write or create. It was a it was a, a fire of uh, um, of sexual liberation, pa- passion, sexual liberation. Oh, interesting. A desire to. Uh, Use all of my physical senses. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I wanted so I, this, you, based on your Wikipedia. I mean, there is so much that we don't know about you. My Wikipedia. Of... My Wikipedia. <laughs> it's it's a long story. Okay. Uh, there is so much that we don't know about you. You know, um, uh, I know that you were uh, only proposed to once, and it was by a man that you did not care for, so you you denied him. Yes. Uh, that there was a love. In your life, that was unre- that not was unrequited, but the families kept you apart because you're both poor. We'll get to that later. Sure. Um, uh, but were there ever moments where you were able to express yourself in the way that you're talking about now, in, in a sexual way? Well, there was one situation. Oh, so it only happened once in your whole life. Yes, and I'm not particularly proud of it either. Okay, well, we don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. Well, I might as well because I've been wanting to get this off my chest for a long time. Okay, yeah, please. Yes, there was a boy who lived down the street from me. Mm-hmm. And and would you mind uh, how old are you at this time? Um, oh, well, I was about 13. He was okay. about 13. So both 13, right? Yes, and um, this boy was well known about town because when he was born, he was born the wrong way. It was a breech birth. Okay, so wait, so that means that it was feet first, right? Feet first, yes, gotcha, which okay. meant that his head was... Uh, kept uh, inside of his mother for a, a bit too long. <laughs> you, you see where I'm going with this? Um, a little bit, yeah. yeah I think so, so. so he came out. So this boy, Jacoby, his name was, was mm. was a little um, <clears throat> slow. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Okay. Couldn't always find the words for the things he wanted to say. Yeah. Yes. Um, but handsome. And because he was, let's say, disconnected, mm. He didn't exactly possess the same expectations for women as the rest of society. Oh, interesting. So Everyone was his friend. He called everybody his friend. And he, he wasn't bogged down by the, uh, the Moorhays of British society the way that everybody else was. Exactly. Simply mm-hmm. because he couldn't comprehend them. Mm, yes. Okay. So Jacoby and I developed a friendship. Mm-hmm. And um, on one occasion, that friendship was physically consummated Ooh, okay yeah Mm. Mm. i mean you don't have to go into details there if you don't want to but that was uh that must have been you know uh enlightening you know you're such a young girl um you you probably weren't even you know beginning to hit the ceiling of what you could and could not do in british society yet absolutely i mean you know it's pounded into you 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 understand you (laughs) understand you you want it's yeah you know what i mean it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, yeah. but, but the expectations, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but Mr. Lindbergh. Mr. Lindbergh, right. please. Well. But, but, but. If there was a little more of that in Emma. <laughs> but, please, uh, Miss Austin, continue. Uh, but so, you know, Jacoby and I felt like we were in our own little world, mm-hmm. separated mm-hmm. from all these expectations. Did you, did you know what happened to Jacoby after a while? Oh, yes. He um, he tumbled down a well when he was sixteen. Oh, and then he became uh, he deceased. Then he was yes. That was that was the end. That of was the end of him. Yes. Oh, that's he, too bad. He thought he heard someone singing in the well, and I don't know. He he was uh, his friend. Yeah, a friend. Thought of it as his friend. <laughs> yes, a friend was singing. And <laughs> that was the end of Jacoby. But he, mm. you know, the point was Jacoby served his purpose in my life, mm. which was to. Introduced me to a type of physical pleasure I had not yet. Interesting. No. Well, I had assumed that you know it would have happened to you later on in life. You know, you have this early spark uh, of, of physical passion, mm. and then it just never repeated then for the rest of your life. Like no. that must have been very frustrating. Well, I'll tell you this: that longing translated into a fierce desire to write. Mm. That's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, I would have to. You and- would. You would need to, you know, do, do something with that energy. But there's something I didn't tell you about Jacoby. Oh, oh yes? His last name mm-hmm. was Darcy. Ooh, oh, so maybe that's our inspiration for uh, for Mr. Darcy yes. from... Um... Do, do you think so? <laughs> I don't care for your uh, <laughs> uh, for your patronizing tone there, uh, Mr. Lindbergh. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's, uh, let's talk about your fame for a little bit. Um, uh, there was this, uh, this huge boon... 
in popularity for mm-hmm. aviation after after your uh, flight across the Atlantic. Of course. Um, you know, was that something that made you happy, or did you think like you know this is like a uh, you know after Hunger Games, all these girls start taking archery lessons, kind of a thing? No, to my dying day, whatever mm-hmm. good I did or bad I did, mm-hmm. um, I I always thought of flight. Um, the Air Force, the the men and women. I I, um, I wanted to participate in World War II. Mm-hmm. Um, um, the the administration did not want me to mm-hmm. um, for reasons I'm sure you'll bring up. Uh, well, um, I mean, I kind of have to, right? right. I mean, like we have you oh, here. Here we go. I'm going to be remiss if I don't mention. You know, you were right. You had some very controversial political opinions and. Some uh, some dubious connections, you know. Uh, hindsight in is twenty twenty, isn't it? Well, you know, uh, I think that uh, there were a lot of people back then who didn't make the same mistakes that you did, didn't say the things that you did. Well, in Mister you know? Lindbergh's defense, mm-hmm. not many people like Jews <laughs> back then. Was this something that uh, that you have experience with? You know, Miss Austin. You know, you're living in the eighteenth uh, century. You. Uh, uh, you know, you, you're you're in England. I can't uh, imagine uh, that you had a lot of exposure to uh, people of the Jewish n- faith. Not many, no. But I, I and I, I would tell you this, and this mm-hmm. is not this is a fact. This is not a stereotype or anything like that. But mm-hmm. the only Jews I knew were moneylenders. <laughs> That's just a fact. Well, we can get into this in a little bit more detail uh, later on when we get to the. The World War II portion um, of Jane Austen's bio, <laughs> but um, uh, you both had these uh, these pretty auspicious, you know, uh, uh, achievements. You know, very young in your life. You know, like you were only twenty five when you flew across the Atlantic. I was. And uh, Ms. Austen, you you wrote your first novel when you were fourteen years old, isn't that right? Right after Jacoby, yes. Yeah, that was called uh, Friends, Love and Friendship, correct? Yes, right. The but, fr- friendship taken right from Jacoby's. Uh, Appalachian, everybody was a friend. Mm, okay, and so, uh, you know, did was this about your relationship with Jacoby, this book, Love and Friendship? Of, of course it was, in a very muted, sort of mm. understated fashion, but yes. Okay, so if we if we knew the story of you and Jacoby and then we read the book, then we would see the parallels, but it wouldn't be obvious. Like, a- right absolutely away. not. I, I had to be very secretive about what happened. Okay, so what was the plot of Love and Friendship then? Um, it was the story of a young woman... Mm-hmm. And a young man, and the young man um, had uh, been hit on the head by some falling scaffolding at a young age. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so was a developmentally uh, disabled. um, You know, as I'm explaining (laughs) it, it seems very similar. I'm very surprised that nobody put the dots together. Mm-hmm. About you and Jacoby. Yes, but... Mm. Um, uh, I mean, I'm sure it, sound, it seemed more subtle when you were 14 years old and you were writing it. Yes, it did. You know, mm-hmm. I, I changed breach birth to falling scaffolding. Mm-hmm. and that Was that me, the only difference between... Uh, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. Um, well, I wanted to ask you this, that, that you, uh, you had a little bit of rejection... Uh, early on in your career when you were, you know, submitting submitting your manuscripts. Um, do you think that that was the fault of the publishing climate or was that because your work needed to develop further? Uh, and I ask that because I know that you later submitted the same titles after you'd reworked them a little bit. Yeah. And then they were published. Well, little known fact, I, I the plot, the titles were the same, roughly, but the... the... Actually, I, I do not want to correct you here, but I mean, according to the record... The titles did change from the first time to the second time that you uh, that you submitted of them. Course, uh, mm-hmm. Pardon me, yes, yes. The, t- mm-hmm. the titles changed, but the plots also changed. <laughs> yeah. So they so were they, they were my, different. So books? they were completely different books. Yeah. Yes. Completely different books. <laughs> wow. You must um, add a lot of fire. Well, my early my early pieces um, were ma- mainly um, um, sort of uh, space operas. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, interesting! Yeah, science, science, vast science fiction epics mm-hmm. about uh, strange creatures and strange planets, and and what, what was that uh, that first manuscript called then? Um, Attack on Rigel Seven. So Attack on Rigel Seven, yeah. and then that got uh, that did not get published, and that then became, you later it's a sense and sensibility that became. <laughs> 
That is interesting. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the uh, the first version of Pride and Prejudice as well? Uh, Pride and Prejudice. Ah, yes. That was originally a story about um, a, a, a man searching for a lost artifact in the Amazon mm. and came across a cannibalistic tribe. Mm, interesting. And it was mostly, uh, it was about 300 pages of torture porn. <laughs> Well, we've and got to. Uh, that price, 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 price. Yeah. Oh, I can see that. <laughs> Obviously, so we've got to take a short break. Um, but we will be right back with Charles Lindbergh and Jane Austen on Famous Dead People. Famous Stay dead with people. us. Hey, everybody, just want to take a quick break to remind you to subscribe to Famous Dead People on iTunes or on whatever app it is that you're using to listen to this show. Uh, if you're so inclined, rate us five stars. Leave a comment. You could tell us how much you love us or hate us. I love constructive criticism. Uh, that stuff helps us out a ton. Tell your friends about us. Get your friends to listen to Famous Dead People. I would really appreciate that. And uh, hit us up at Famous Dead People Show at gmail.com if you want to shout some criticism into my electronic face or if you want to hear a specific Famous Dead person on this show. I want to hear from you guys. I want to hear that you're listening. I want some feedback, damn it. Uh, so yeah, lastly, if you really like the show and you want to send us some money to help keep us on the air, go to RadioFreeBrooklyn.com slash Famous Dead People and click on the support this show button. Thanks again for listening. And now back to the podcast. Famous Dead People, Famous Dead People, Famous Dead Welcome back to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn. Famous Dead People, the only show that resurrects famous people from the grave and asks them all the hard questions. I'm your host, Jared Berenstein, and we are here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. My guests in the studio today are notable 18th century British novelist Jane Austen and American pilot and explorer Charles Lindbergh. Uh, now, before the break, we talked a little bit about... Uh, you know, some of the works that Ms. Austin had done. And we briefly talked about the fact that you were also an author. Mm -hmm. um, your first book, Mr. Lindbergh, was called We. And it was just the story of your life and your trip across uh, the Atlantic. Yes. And you say there was... five years of, of life. Yes, put into those pages. Mm -hmm. um, but I read on uh, on your biography that there was some uh, discrepancy about what the we meant. And how your publishers kind of like romanticized the we, and it was like, oh, it was it was the we of him and his plane, you know, going over the Atlantic together. It was just it was just the two of them. Uh, but then you later said in life that that you just meant that it was the we of every person that helped you along the way, like your financiers and the the engineers and things like that. Uh, truth be told, mm -hmm. when I submitted it, yes. um, there were four extra E's. In, on on in the we. title, yeah. Oh, okay. It was more of a feeling mm. of, oh, so. <laughs> of, of what I felt flying. <laughs> I'm sorry, so you're saying that your first your first book was called not We, but We That was <laughs> In a in a in a more of a baritone. Yes. <laughs> Was we? Mm. That's. I mean, it doesn't sound like you're enjoying yourself that much mm. if you if you do it with that tone. Well, it was hard. It mm -hmm. was a difficult flight. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that is uh, that is fascinating. So it wasn't either of those things. It was right. just you. The sound that you made as you enjoyed. Did you make that sound all the time when you were flying on takeoff? Mm, just mm -hmm. on takeoff. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, because that would be exhausting. Your flight across the Atlantic was. Uh, was days, right? Uh, so it was, uh, a little hours? over a little over a day, yes. Three, three hours, um, I believe. Yeah. You could yeah. not you couldn't wee that entire time. That would be uh No. That would that be really would be, difficult. Who, who would hear who would hear me? Mm. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, there was the obviously the famous movie about your life that was uh starring uh Jimmy uh, Stewart, Jimmy Stewart yes. you know, and in order to uh make the the flight across the Atlantic more entertaining for the audience, they gave him a fly in the cockpit to talk to similar to the way that, you know, they gave Tom Hanks Wilson the volleyball to talk to in uh, in castaway. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, was there anything that you, that you, that you interacted with as you were flying across the Atlantic, something to, 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 uh, to, to make, to, to fight the loneliness of that journey? Um, I had a, um, a little, a little black figurine, mm -hmm. um, of a very big lipped, 
um, black. black. No, no, no. Um, ugh, you know, I, I hate to bring this up, but it's just what you were describing sounds like it might be offensive to people in 2017. And so maybe that might not be best. L- oh, okay. l- let's just say that. So this was a, 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 to- a, a totem, a totem. Let's say let's, that. we'll call it a totem. All right. And that was the thing that you interacted with. Yes. Uh, now, knowing that it might be a little shocking to our listeners, you know, what sort of interactions would you have with this figurine? Uh, I would be mostly, could you bring me my soup? Ooh, okay, you know, maybe we should just uh, uh, cut that off um, right now. My boots uh, need uh, polishing. Uh, it was uh, a one-way let's discussion, uh, <laughs> let's generally. Just, uh, let's, we don't have to go back to that. Okay. Um, so, uh, uh, Ms. Austin, um, uh, I, I talked a little bit about how little we know about your life um, uh, because, like, so many of the records were... Uh, destroyed um, by your older sister, Cassandra. She burned 3,000 of your letters after you passed away. And it was a great loss to people who wanted to buy out to... To uh, to learn more about your uh, your life, your biography. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know why she would have done something like that? Why she would have burned all your letters? Well... Uh... If you recall, when I was born, my father grandly predicted I would be her companion. Yes. That would be the greatest achievement of my life. Mm-hmm. And of course, I proved that wrong, flipped yes. that on its head. Mm-hmm. Pure jealousy. Mm. Okay, so she was upset that you had achieved so much in your life. Mm-hmm. And so she burned your letters as like a, a, yes, as nobody, a protest. Nobody knows the name Cassandra Austin, but mm, yeah. she hoped that through this act, she could erase the name Jane Austen. Mm. From public memory, of course, that wasn't. Ooh, going to wait, maybe she was going to try to take uh, take credit for the things that you wrote. Do you ever well, consider you kn- that? I had not considered that. Hmm, That's quite concerning. Mm-hmm. Did you? Uh, I mean, I don't. I don't know what Cassandra Austin did. I don't know what her life was like. That's not a name that you remember, right, Mister Limber? I don't. No. I mean, so what I mean, was her... her sexual past? <laughs> Cassandra's uh, sexual. We're going to have to get into it. Yeah. You know. Well, Cassandra, I'll tell you, Cassandra was a woman of leisure. Mm-hmm. She um, did mostly uh, crossword puzzles. That was her favorite thing to do. Mm-hmm. Filled out crossword puzzles. She did the the jumble, mm-hmm. the word jumble. Okay. Um, she did uh, an early version of Sudoku. Mm. Wait, there was a there was an early British version of Sudoku. Yes, it was called Sodoku. Sodoku. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Very was similar. It, was it the same? Was it just numbers and boxes? Yes, it's numbers and, and numbers and boxes. Yes, but um, you had to write out the digits instead of. Uh, you you had to write out the the word the word associated with the number. Exactly. Oh, yes. I can see how that would be a lot more difficult, actually. Yeah, than, uh, it, you traditional know, it's just bigger boxes. Mm-hmm. Bigger boxes. That's it. Um, now, uh, could you? I know this is putting you on the spot here, but do you think that there's um, a tidbit? that Jane Austen aficionados would love to know from those letters that were destroyed that you could reveal to us, you know, like, like you've given us so much already. Yes. Um, but could you, is there something that you can remember from those letters that you would think that maybe your, your fans or your biographer would, would just love to have, would, would just love to know? I invented a sandwich. You invented the sandwich? A sandwich. Oh, oh you invented one sandwich. Yes. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what the sandwich was that you invented? Yes. Yeah, spicy black pepper turkey mm-hmm. and jalapeno cheese mm, okay. be- between two pieces of white bread. And what did you call that sandwich? The fire inside. The fire inside. Oh. <laughs> Okay, and so that was something that was written about in this in these letters to your sister. Yes, well, I was uh, going back and forth on names and ingredients. Mm-hmm. You know, we had quite quite a correspondence about it, but ultimately that's what was decided. Mm-hmm. And uh, and yes, uh, and and that is lost to history. Mm. Right. I mean, that's you know obviously a great uh, a great loss to you know people that would like to piece together the the, the mysteries of your life. Um, uh, but it's a little unexpected, you know. I don't think that anybody would uh, would have predicted that you had invented a sandwich. You know? I was a real chow hound, <laughs> a bit of a bit of a foodie. You have to be. I was a real. I was a, yeah, I was quite a foodie. I loved. Mm-hmm. I loved eating. Mm. Uh, eating to me was an outgrowth of another form of carnal pleasure. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I mean, it was another way that you were able to satisfy that um, mm-hmm. uh, that that burning desire that was inside of you. And you know. There were some fantasies written about in where 
the sexual pleasure and the pleasure of eating were com mm -hmm. combined. Interesting. And yeah. so, so in in some of your unreleased manuscripts, or maybe some of your lost some of my uh, lost letters, letters. To Cassandra, I wrote over a few of my fantasies. Ooh, interesting. Involving foods. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, like I said, you know, we don't want to be too salacious on this show, so we don't have to get into this if you don't no, want to. No, we can. We can definitely speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I. <laughs> Well, I, I, I suppose if Mr. Lindbergh mm -hmm. is twisting my arm here. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say no, but if you just wanted to tell us, I don't know, the plot of this book, you know, I, I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't object to that. Well, yes, there's one where I, um, you know, and I, I have to say this plot has been replicated countless, countless times, but I was the first one to write it mm -hmm. where a man comes to the home delivering what was then called a flatbread with cheese. Okay. And uh, he approaches the door, and he he says, um, uh, I, "I brought your flatbread with cheese, mm. but um, I've got your cylindrical protein <laughs> right here." That was cylindrical the way that you wrote it. In Italian the... protein. <laughs> I got to go back and read these novels of yours. So, um, going over to you, Mr. Lindbergh. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to, you know. Before I ask this question, I just want to say how truly sorry I am for what uh, for what happened famously right. to your son, you know, uh, with uh, Richard Hauptman kidnapping him and, uh, you know, supposedly Allegedly. Uh, killing him. Oh, that, that's actually what I wanted to ask you about, um, because there is a lot of uh, mystery surrounding this kidnapping and whether or not he was responsible, whether or not it really was your child's body that was found, you know. And uh, I don't know. I just I wanted to, to ask you if there was... Uh, I don't know, something that you wanted to reveal or if there was new evidence that you were aware of, any anything that you think maybe happened to your son? Since so much time has passed, yes. um, I would like to say, mm -hmm. um, sadly, uh, that the there was a book written a few years ago uh, that got it right. Oh, okay. Um, it was a practical joke gone wrong. The disappearance of your son. Yes. Charles Lindbergh Jr. Yes. was a practical joke gone wrong. Yes. Okay, would you mind uh, going into a little more detail? I was, um, I was always kind of uh, poking fun. My, my wife, Anne, was a um, very serious woman. Mm -hmm. And I, I wanted to keep our relationship and marriage um, exciting and happy mm -hmm. and fun. Um, many of these things were practical jokes, um, you know, hiding the keys, um, you know, uh, spooking her. Okay. Um, and one night I wanted to take our son away, um, in a funny way. <laughs> didn't turn out that way unfortunately well what what um, what did happen what did you do with your son uh backing out of the window on an old ladder mm -hmm. um we both fell so you and the baby fell out the window yes and then the baby died because of this well i could only save one of us <laughs> and he and, and, you, and you chose yourself well, over, who's over the your aviator child? i mean maybe your child would eventually have been an aviator yeah but this country <laughs> needs me yes Ms. So sorry Ms. austin the, the baby broke your fall is that what you're saying well we both landed mm -hmm. no didn't break my fall but right. um we were both in distress and so <laughs> and so how was it that that mr uh Hauptman was then uh blamed for this kidnapping then well you do what anybody would do. You blame an immigrant. Okay. All right. No. Right? I see, I see what you're saying. Here. In his defense, it was a common practice in, mm -hmm. in both of our times. I'm right. sure even in uh, in 18th century uh, London, that was something that would uh, that would happen. In, sorry, in ancient 18th century England. It, it was. In fact, I blamed a pregnancy on an immigrant. You blamed a pregnancy on an immigrant? Yes. Were you... I'm sorry. Were you pregnant with... Jacoby's child. Jacoby's child at 13 years old? Yes. Oh, my God. This is quite a Jane Austen bombshell. Yes, I know. Wow. Uh -huh. So you and this boy had a child together. The child was not brought to term. Oh, I see. Yes. And so how how, how did you then blame that on, a, on an immigrant? Well, I told my father that... Now, I'm not proud of this, mm -hmm. of course, but you, I mean, you have to imagine the fear coursing through the veins of a 13-year-old 
uh, uh, an unmarried a woman in mm-hmm. this time period. Yeah, you don't know what your body is, what it does. Yes. You know, there's so much uncertainty there. So I told my father that a gang of Asians <laughs> descended Ooh. upon me, yeah. had their way with me. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you did say that you blamed a gang of Asians for your pregnancy. Yeah, I just wanted I, to make I, I just yes, wanted to make that hearing a, it out of your clear. mouth now I hear how it sounded. Mm-hmm. It's, Absolutely wrong, but I was. Yeah, I don't think anybody would dispute that. I so. was very scared, mm-hmm. very scared, um, and, and so um, the pregnancy was um, deemed. Well, they are a threat. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> you're really drawing a line of the sand here, uh, Jane Austen. You're the one who brought up this aging. I don't know if we can throw stones at Mr. Lindbergh for this. Uh, so for those of you who are true. just joining us, uh, you're listening to Famous Dead People on Radio Free Brooklyn, and my guests today are American aviator Charles Lindbergh and 18th century novelist Jane Austen. Yes. And, uh, you know, since we're on the topic of racism, this might be as good of a time as ever to bring there up, you, you know, World War II. Here we go. And uh, the, I, you know, I, I don't think it's unfair to bring this up, Mr. Lindbergh. You know, mm-hmm. like you... You wrote things, you said things, the people that you that you uh, that you chose to have in your inner circle, you know, there was a lot of speculation about the fact that you may or may not have been a Nazi sympathizer. Roosevelt mm-hmm. himself said, if I die tomorrow, know this that Charles Lindbergh is a Nazi. Uh, is there any truth to these claims? No. No, really. Of course not. Um, okay. I admired them. You would <laughs> I think we're kind of splitting hairs there. The um, difference between a sympathizer and admirer. You admired right. the Nazis. But I'm an Ameri- I'm a I'm a white man, mm-hmm. first and foremost, then an American, <laughs> and then a fan of um a well-run country. Mm-hmm. And you don't have any issue with the things that they did while they were in power. Well, I didn't know that was going on. How could you not know that that was going on? That was the reason Nobody why. did. If, okay, all right. There's a... What about after the war and all the information... I found started, it disgusting. Come, <laughs> I'm sorry, you found it disgusting? So you just, like, turned your brain off to what was actually happening over there? Well, I don't... Th- I didn't know about it. Mm. Um, they brought a country out of a deep depression. Mm-hmm. They... Um, they, their people felt good about themselves. Yeah, I, I, I have to tell you that you know we're in 2017 now. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to know that there's no justifying having admiration for the Nazis at this point. You know, is this is this really the mountain you want to die mm-hmm. on, Charles Lindbergh? Uh, no, in re- again, uh, uh, hindsight is 2020. Yes, that is true. Um, I didn't have the benefit. Mm-hmm. Of knowing this. Yes. I just saw a bunch of smashingly dressed, <laughs> um, efficient, mm-hmm. uh, uh, forward thinkers. <laughs> okay. Well, I'd like to ask you about a couple of things uh, that you said. And, you know, you can feel free to okay. clarify or defend <laughs> or, you know... Uh, uh, you know, walk back if that is uh, if that is your your, your desire. Um, you describe too many Jews living in a place as the quote Jewish problem. Care to comment? Um, what were my options? <laughs> well, do do you do you defend that statement, or is that something that well, you? It doesn't sound like I'm I can defend it. Mm, okay. Um, uh, let me ask you this then. Let me clarify it. Oh, all right. All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, any group of people of one singular um, race, all right, I think are a problem. Any any group of people, so like even a group of white people. Yes. Really? Yes. So you think that... I think they're a problem to others, yes. Okay. You know what? There's actually... I wouldn't argue that at all. Right. No. So I think they you... should all be separate. <laughs> a very interesting uh, take on that. Uh, Ms. Austin, too many white people a problem? What are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, having grown up around so many white people, mm-hmm. um, seeing mainly white people except for the occasional 
a Jewish um, money lender, and that's a mm-hmm, fact. Mm-hmm. That no, no, is no. not a stereotype. That is a fact. No, you're not saying that every like Jew is. You're saying that was your experience. Yes, that was my experience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I happen to think that um, too many white people, there's sort of a, a white neurosis that, that beads into things, and, um, mm-hmm. you know, white people get really hung up on, on sex. White people get really hung up on sex. Oh, yes. They can't mm. express themselves sexually free, mm. freely in a way that's, that's, that's healthy, I feel. Well, don't you think mm. that that's changed since your time? I mean, like, your era was famously buttoned up, and mm-hmm. there was all this, you know, building pressure, you know, not just sexually. Mm-hmm. Um, but that has changed, surely, in 2017, right? Well, yes, yes. But now I feel like we've reacted to it so strongly with the pendulum has swung too far in the other direction. Oh, and now we're like sex obsessed now. Yes, yes. Oh, and, and you know what? You know what has been lost is the art of courtship. Mm. Yeah, mm. I, I'm not going to argue that. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But what was, what was courtship like when you were when you were a young man? You know, like you were married uh you know yeah. you sired a child with your wife mm-hmm. like how did you how I did sired you sired several child yes how children. did how did you uh how did you come to to meet and woo your wife um how did i come and meet to woo mm-hmm. um secret meetings secret meetings yes. with your wife that's how i met um, my other dalliances. Well, we'll get to that in a moment. Okay, I, I'm, uh, well, hoping to. I'm trying to diffuse to... it before, <laughs> it... <laughs> before it becomes an issue. You, you get me with it. No, no. I'm hoping this was isn't gotcha a, podcast. I don't. I, I don't think that's a fair description. Um, but I do want to ask, like, just what is what is that process like though you know you meet you're meeting in secret mm-hmm. uh you are uh, did you, did you ever bring her flowers did you talk to her family like what was the um for a marriage yes i mm-hmm. mean this it started secretly but then you have to come out as married mm-hmm. um and it's it's unlike any kind of affair mm-hmm. so yes it's very um structured efficient mm-hmm. um yeah these are the, the same words that you were using earlier to describe your uh, admiration for the Nazi party. Well, there's nothing wrong with efficiency. No, no. I don't think there's anybody would no, argue that. We've lost that. Um, now, switching gears a little bit, um, Ms. Austin, uh, you're, you're, you know, your work was gaining popularity. You were describing how you would like to you know, be in the bookstore and listen to people talk about you know, how, uh, how much they enjoyed your work. Did you ever plan a big reveal like surprise the work that you have been enjoying the stories that you love that you've been getting so invested in were written by a woman can you believe that was there ever was that ever part of your grand scheme yes i did have a a plan uh like a public relations big splash we were going to make there was going to be a big party mm-hmm. and and Austin Jane was going to be there of course mm-hmm. right and then and then, oh, here he is, the great Austin Jane. And then I walk out and everybody sees me. Mm-hmm. And then that happened. And I walked out and people said, who is this bitch? Like that, of course, you know, all the, mm-hmm. all the that's how the, that's, that's how, how they, the urchins mm-hmm. would talk. Yeah, yes, of course. Yeah. Who, is, who is this bitch? Mm-hmm. Where's Austin Jane? Wait, so, so you're saying this is actually an event that happened? Oh, it actually happened. Oh, wow. I didn't know that you had even tried to reveal yourself to the public. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. These, we're just lost in the Cassandra letters. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, and then he looked at No, get this bitch off the stage. I don't want to see this bitch in a bodice on a rough, 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 rough. Oh, my goodness. So yeah. you didn't, they didn't even give you the chance to, to reveal to them that you were... Uh, the author of the books. I, at that moment, my heart was crushed. Mm. And I realized that no amount of me claiming I was Austin Jane would, would do a thing to change these mm. people's mind. So I said, I said, excuse me, I'm terribly sorry to announce that Mr. Jane has been killed in a carriage accident. So you killed your, your pseudonym? Yes. Wow. What, what effect did that have on your writing? Well, I had to stop. You, so you just stopped writing from that point on? I had to, I had to stop writing. I, I, oh I, I had some backup plans, some alternate pseudonyms. Mm-hmm. Um, you where, know, where did you direct the fire? Yeah, I mean, you had all this this uh, this wanton passion inside of you. Yeah. Well, do you know what? Um, if you were around in my day, are, are you 
Um, let's see, this is the art of courtship that's been lost. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, right. See, here it is, right front and center. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, do you know what zoetropes are? Yes, zoetropes are those little. Um, uh, you you would put pictures in a uh, in a in a cylinder and spin it around so you could see like animation. Yes, yeah, early so, animation. So, so I was one of the foremost authors of zoetropes. I created horse jumping over steeple. Horse jumping over steeple. Yes, that was my creation. Oh, so so you were uh, you were not limited to creating sandwiches and the written word. Yes, you know you were sort of an inventor as well. I, I, I well I, I I didn't invent the zeotrope, but I uh, embraced the medium. Oh, I, I see. Yes. Uh, well, this must ring true for you as well, Mister Lindbergh. Like you were uh, a bit of an amateur inventor, right? Oh. Yeah, you invented some uh, some early um, heart. Surgery technology. Correct. Um, I recall. It, yes, a pump of sorts. Mm. Um, I thought to myself, hey, why shouldn't surgery apply to hearts? Mm, interesting. Yeah. Okay. What was the? Was there another motivation there? Like, um, like something that inspired you? You're like maybe if I if if I invent this, then you know so and so these people that I care about would not have passed away, maybe something like that. Um, it was more about the efficiency of the mm. human body, okay, yes. Right. It, a, se- it seems like you're a little efficiency focused, like maybe obsessed even. What else is there? I mean, you know, uh, chaos. Speaking to you know uh, uh, Ms. Austin, surely you can appreciate that there are depths to the human experience, emotion, love, uh, the, uh, the the subtlety of courtship, that sort of thing. Those things are not ringing a bell. <laughs> well, uh, I find that hard to believe because you know. S- Relatively recently, in the early 2000s, mm-hmm. uh, it was it came to light that you had something like three secret families scattered throughout Europe. Yes. Uh, and that you had had all these affairs. You were such yes. a famous person. I'm surprised that you were able to keep all that secret. Um, yeah. Efficient secrecy. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm not ashamed of it. Okay. Um, I think... Procreation is one of our greatest gifts, mm-hmm. and to do it in such a prolific way um, is is my gift. <laughs> was there ever to a... <laughs> the world? Was there ever a? Do you think that maybe part of the impulse for you to have all these affairs? And I mean, I, I read that your wife had affairs as well. That she, I you didn't know, know about that. You didn't know about the affairs that your wife I, had. I didn't. Oh my god! I'm I'm sorry Not to have, until uh, now. I'm sorry to have revealed that to you. I hope that wasn't too big. That of doesn't a, seem right. An emotional shock. Well, you know, obviously it would be better if nobody had affairs. But mm. I guess what's uh, good for the somebody goose... somebody has to. <laughs> what's good for the goose is good for the gander, right? That's only fair, you Not, know. Uh, I don't. I don't think so. <laughs> All right. Well, do you think that maybe unconsciously this was? I don't know, uh, uh, the, the death of your child maybe maybe caused you to want to reproduce more. Like, oh my God, if something so precious can be taken from me, maybe I should make more children and then it won't mean as much if you lose one, that sort of thing. Ah, you're putting a romantic spin on it. Mm. Um, no, it was, about, it was about satisfying my um, wants about your your desires my desires oh you can relate to that Ms. austin right well well, absolutely yes Mm. my life was essentially a muted quest of desire Mm -hmm. unfulfilled yeah you know in england we have a saying um which is sometimes uh, you get uh reamed in the bung (laughs) hole and which is another way of saying you don't get what you want Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, and, uh, it's um, pretty. It's pretty eloquent. Like you know, I think it could be put, could be put better. But yeah. um, you know, uh, there's no and a, a pretty apt label for some of my desires. <laughs> How about that? Well, I think that's all the time that we have for this uh, episode of Famous Dead People. I'd like to thank my guests Jane Austen and uh, Charles Lindbergh for joining Thanks. us in the studio today. I do have one final question for you both. It's a little weird, but. Uh, I like to end every show by asking my guests if they'd like to plug a comedy show or a funny Twitter account or anything like that. Well, actually, yes, thank you. I am enamored of a Twitter account at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Rogue Potus Florists. 
Rogue Potus Florist. Yes, and okay. it's, it's the unofficial resistance inside the West Wing's floral team. Mm-hmm. They're sort of resisting in their own flowery way. I suggest you f- follow and see what they're up to. Interesting. Very, very uh, amusing. All right. And uh, Mr. Lindbergh? Um, I, there is, I like to laugh. Mm-hmm. And there's a charming is, little team. Do not find surprising. All right. Um, that uh, performs every Thursday night at 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Oh, you want their name? I would love as much detail as you can provide. Um, uh, junior Varsity. Mm-hmm. And they perform? Improv comedy. And at where, the, where oh, and when? Uh, at the Magnet Theater. On 29th Street at mm-hmm. 8 p.m. And uh, and what day do they perform? I think I said Thursday. Okay, well, just, you know. For Still Thursday. All right, so don't forget Rogue Potus and Floris. Don't forget Rogue Potus Floris. And if you have any questions that you'd like to ask your favorite famous dead person, please email that to us at famousdeadpeopleshow at gmail.com. We'll try to have them on as soon as we can. We're here every Monday at 3 p.m. on Radio Free Brooklyn. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Famous dead people, famous dead people, famous dead people.